welcome to episode 24. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And today, Ray, we're going to go back in time and we're going to do DJ Chronicles. You may remember that there's probably about four posts or so that I did a while back kind of reminiscing of DJing and how I got into it. And believe it or not, it's all because of you. <laughs> well, I did start DJing in eighth grade. I did an eighth grade graduation party and I brought my GPX unit down that had a cassette deck and a turntable on it with my, you know, stack of cassettes and mm -hmm. records. And, you know, I did that. Also, I think I talked in the past about we used to hold KISS concerts where I was the manager and would introduce everybody and play music. But there was a little hiatus there where through high school, there wasn't much of DJing. And then, bam, as soon as I went to college, it all kicked off again. And I'll never forget moving in. And you said, hey, Mark, I'm going to this WFAL meeting and it's radio night. Yeah, that was I remember it was spring of our uh, that first year, our sophomore year of college when we uh, roomed together that spring. I saw a. I don't I can't remember, I saw a flyer or something for, uh, you know, join WFAL College Radio, come to our information session or whatever. I had worked radio in high school, the local radio station in my town. I'd kind of, my freshman year of college, you know, kind of taken a year away from it or gotten away from it and was doing other things, but still always had an interest. I mean, that was when I went to college, I remember looking at, senior in high school, right, 30 years ago, looking at colleges and thinking about what were the radio stations around. Cause I even, you know, went to Bowling Green, but I actually was accepted to the university of Arizona. I, I just on a whim decided, really? I, yeah, I applied there. I don't know. I don't even know why, you know, it's more than 30 years ago. And for some reason I want, I always had Arizona. I mean, I ended up moving there later anyway, but um, for some reason I always kind of had that in my head. And I remember looking at, well, if I, and I was accepted, but I couldn't afford to go or anything cause out of state fees. And, you know, and then I had no clue what, life was like in Tucson anyway, but I applied and I was accepted. And I remember looking at like KRQQ or something, whatever the big top 40 radio station was in there, you know, cause at that time I fancied myself the next Casey Kasem or Shadow Stevens or whatever. And, you know, Rick Dees. And I mean, that's like, you know, you know me, I had my subscription to yeah. Billboard magazine and I was, you know, and so even when I went to Bowling Green, I, you know, I knew what the Toledo radio stations were. So then then I kind of got away from it. But then, yeah, the, the college radio, they, they had that information night. And I said, yeah, I'm going. And then you came along. And before you know it, we were both working at WFAL. And then that got you into doing the sound system. And, yep, rest is uh, history. Yeah, it was amazing. That meeting, I remember that meeting so vividly. Mm -hmm. It was in some strange side room with some, like, carpeted stairs in or South something. Hall. Yeah, we're all sitting there. And yep. I'm in this meeting. And I remember, you know, Ray he's going to be a baseball color commentary or something. I'm like, okay, I don't know. I, I always thought about, you know, doing something with radio. Yeah. So the next thing you know, I go down there and, you know, I get some kind of graveyard shift. Yep. I remember vividly just walking around, going through the album stacks. Yep. And then one day in the album stacks, I look in the corner and there's this box during part of this interview. I uh, interviewed DJ dude and I, talk about this but there was this just cobwebbed box just sitting in the corner so i've tried to find out like what is with this thing and it says well just put a little message in the mailbox of the station manager so i put a little message in there it took like a month finally they said yeah you can run it i was like okay <laughs> what does this mean 
So, you know, obviously it was over the summer and I took some time to try to figure it out. And I was like, well, how am I going to do this myself? And then I, I bumped into dude in the basement of, I think it was Rogers hall or somewhere. And I think that's where the galley was Oh, over in a Harshman quadrangle. Yeah. Harshman. Yeah. That's it. it was, in, it was in the basement of Harshman. And then the next thing, you know, I'm off doing that through college and end up doing that professionally <laughs> for the last 20 something years. It's just funny how things kind of fall into place and, that's, you know, and all that's funny because so this little like, it's almost like insider baseball here, you know, for those, for folks who might know Bowling Green State University, but, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about that rumor they had that meeting, but I'm pretty sure they had it in what was then South Hall, I think. And the radio station was actually in what was West Hall then. And now West Hall has been demolished and South Hall is now the Cooleen Center which is where the School of Media and Communication is. And they've moved all of the television and radio studios and everything over to that building. They renovated, it. they completely gutted and renovated it. And so it's actually, they've got like new state-of-the-art as of a, you know, a few years ago when it reopened, uh, new state-of-the-art stuff there. And then of course, uh, Harshman, where the galley was, where you and uh, Dude met, that got leveled a couple years ago as well. So, you know, it's sort of the memory stuff, right? The changing times that here we are, 25 years later, the very buildings where all of this stuff happened have changed. But amazing how that worked out, right? You know, kind of on a, on a whim, went to his meeting and ends up uh, creating a career for you. And like you said, that that sound system, I mean, you guys turned it into something. You know, I remember, you know, they kind of were almost like it was like an afterthought there. Yeah, we got this thing and we do, you know, mobile DJing and stuff, right? And DJ dances and stuff. And I mean, you guys, you ended up doing all kinds of stuff all kinds of local stuff. You also worked in with the athletic department where you're playing at like volleyball games and stuff. Cause I wrote for the sports review press, our senior year of college that fall, they ran Eric Pupillo. Remember him? Cause you yeah. knew him from back in like high school or something. And he started up this newspaper, the sports newspaper to be a competitor for the BG news, the school newspaper. And it lasted a semester and then they just couldn't keep the financing going. But I mean, it was really a great experience that I did some feature writing for them. I, I followed like local golf. I did some feature stories. We did a piece on you, on you guys doing the sound system. And we got quotes from the women's volleyball coach. It was really, really great stuff you guys did. Yeah, it was amazing. We even talked about the hockey games that we yeah. did. Yeah. There, there was a lot of sports tie-in because just like today, you always need some music to keep things going. But we were just talking about how we're using cassettes and oh, calling yeah. all the equipment up there and so it was pretty fun it was fascinating about it we also get into talking about the music of the day and mm -hmm. now i know you've got a, a very specific piece on it. it's like 25 years ago talking about the 90s and the songs that were played but it really is amazing how much great music came out back then too that we were cranking out of those systems yeah yeah you know the the memories are amazing that's uh I do that 25 years ago in the 90s. And the amazing thing is I've been doing that for five and a half years already, right? We're, we're already at 30 years ago since the beginning of the 90s. And it was sort of a, in 2015, looking back and saying, as 2015 was starting, saying, you know, gosh, it's weird to think that 1990 was 25 years ago. And now here we are, 1995 was 25 years ago. And I mean, thinking about like Waterfalls by TLC being the number one song in the country 25 years ago. And just amazing how time flies. And that's one of the great things about Toonsmate that we've always said, right? This is 
about the songs that we remember. And that's one of the ways that we really use the site. I think the thing that always gets me is you just talk about TLC and you see, oh, you know, they had a number one hit with Waterfalls. But what about some of their other hits that didn't chart as high or you think about other songs? I know a while ago, you, I man, I'm, I know there's a lot of one hit wonders in this this period as well. I know recently we just did the gin blossoms and we we're talking about the nineties. And I remember, Hey, jealousy was probably one of the biggest tunes that we played back in this time. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, what about the other songs by the gin blossoms? Well, oh, yeah. what other song? Isn't no. it just Hey, jealousy? No, you know? no, there's Allison road. And um, that's what people say though. They're like, Oh, all I know is Hey, jealousy. So they've got like seven big hits. And the thing about the gin blossoms is they're one of those bands that, like I did, uh, you know, the lead singer um, just had a, his 50th birthday mm-hmm. and he was the birthday of the week recently. And, and Robin Wilson, one of the hard things that I had was when I do the birthday of the week, I always say, well, what, you know, I, I see, you know, tell us your favorite song. And I, I was trying to figure out my favorite song from the Gin Blossoms. And literally there's like six songs that could have all been my favorite because they all have a very similar sound to them and they all bring up the same memories of that time period, 93 to 96. They mm-hmm. also all remember, but gosh, what was it? It was, would have been about 13, 14 years ago. My wife and I were in Traverse City with a, one of our friends and her twin girls at the Cherry uh, National Cherry Festival. And uh, we went and we didn't know, you know, they have music at the festival. We didn't know who the, you know, we hadn't barely paid attention. Um, and we're walking along and all of a sudden we're like right outside the, you know, there's like a, a paid area to get in to see the concert. We weren't in there, but we were where you can still see the stage. And all of a sudden we find out the gin blossoms are coming on. And so we basically, we got to hang out there. They played all their hits. We got to listen to a gin blossoms concert for free. I mean, we had a blast and they played Hey Jealousy and Allison Road, Found Out About You, Follow You Down, Till I Hear It From You, Until I Fall Away, As Long As It Matters. See, they had like seven big hits. Yeah. Yep. But I'm saying that's kind of the point. Like we were reminiscing about the music. Yep. It, out of this period, most of the time, <laughs> if you do, they do like a 90s flashback, they'll play the Hey Jealousy. Maybe they'll play one of the other songs because right. you're not going to hear Allison Road. Right. You know, they're just not going to play that. That's what I just love, continually enjoy about Tunes Mate, reminiscing, bringing the songs up. Even five years ago, you just had Cheerleader yep. with Homie. Yep. And you're like, wait a minute, that was five yep. years ago? Mm-hmm. Some people think, yeah, that was five years ago. But to me, it just blows my mind because I totally remember that tune. <laughs> and it's a funny song, but it's catchy. Yep. And that's exactly why. It, charted so high yeah that was number one five years ago yeah yeah let's jump in we'll jump into the interview we'll find out how this whole djing chronicles started with dude and then we'll swing back and wrap up the episode all right everybody welcome to another episode of tunes mate today i am joined by dj dude welcome to the podcast dude hey how's it going eh? <laughs> pretty good now just for our listenership out there tunes mate came into existence because Ray and I were roommates in college and Ray, the moment I moved in, he's like, I'm going to a radio meeting. So I went to this radio meeting because Ray always wanted to be a color commentary radio guy for baseball. And I just went along. I'm like, I'll go along. And while I was there, WFAL, which was the AM radio station that played rock music was like, Hey, 
we're looking for some jocks and we also have this mobile you know sound outfit they call it the wfeo sound system i'm like oh i'll go for it so i join and while i was there you know i go well, where's the sound system <laughs> and they point to a corner and there's this box laying on the ground covered in garbage with a cobweb on it literally i think there was like a spider was living there and they're like there it is and i was like when's the last time that was used <laughs> and they basically said uh, we haven't used it in years. So I was like, I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to have to amass a team because I can't do this on my own. So at the time, I was working over at this place they called the galley, which was like this dairy queen underneath this this dormitory. And I was down there working late one night. I think it was some kind of comedy night. And it was like midnight. And I was cleaning up. And next thing you know, I see this dude rolling in with a, a hat on backwards, doing, a, <laughs> coming in, wheeling in some sound equipment. That was you. Well, yeah, yeah. That's how we met. Uh, interestingly enough, good old Bowling Green State University, you know, go BG. It was. It was like 1.30 in the morning, and I was sent by somebody from food operations because I worked upstairs in the cafeteria. It was my part-time job. So I was like a busser and then a cook's help. And they sent me downstairs to the galley to get some PA equipment because it was rock and roll hall of fame week in the cafeteria. And we were going to DJ in the cafeteria. So my partner peaches, I believe her, her code name was, is I was the moon doggy and peaches show. So they sent me down there and I'm like one in the morning. Really? All right, go downstairs. And lo and behold, that's where I met you. And we started talking about like, why, why, what are you doing down here? Like, oh, I'm picking up PA equipment. I'm a DJ. Like, really? Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. So I just inherited this box with cobwebs, which would be a long-standing story for the WFAL sound system. We worked many places with cobwebs. We sure did. Well, as I'm talking with you down there, you know, it's like, like you said, it was like 1.30 in the morning. Pretty much everyone is gone. You know, I'm mopping up the floor. I said, yeah, sure. I got it. I'll lock up. You come wheeling in. We start talking about sound equipment. And my experience was I DJed. Yeah, I, I did a couple when I was... In grade school, believe it or not, I, I did a couple like parties. And then in, in high school, I really did. I was kind of dormant, but I was collecting a lot of music. So I was like, yeah, this sounds like a good thing to do. So I've got the music. I've got a sound system. And you're like, well, I've got lights. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. They were they were spectacular, weren't they? They were, they were the ones you flip on and off with the switches, which is another hallmark of our system. Because <laughs> yeah. I'd only done a few gigs when I worked in an after-school program, they'd have me play stereos. I bought stereo equipment at garage sales and then hooked it up and played loud music for the kids to dance to. Yeah, those kids, they love the Beatles. They do. They, they, they go nuts for the Beatles. They, they go crazy. And eventually they like yeah, so Elvis, we were down, which is weird. We were down there, and we, all of a sudden, I think we both had the same look on our face, like, okay, well, you've got a sound system. You've got lights. And I think it was like the summertime, so we were talking about, well, maybe we can kick it off when fall hits when things start kicking off we can put our heads together and we had another guy in the dorm chris yeah who he was totally into techno music and dance music so we're like okay let's combine our forces together and take this thing out to frats and sororities and take it on the road but the first thing was let's take a look at the sound system and it was this rickety old <laughs> turntable system that we had to jerry rig with an old mixing board and try to figure out how are we going to like 
bring CDs into this. Like, what is a CD? I'm not even sure what that is. So we had to go through the record stacks and figure this thing out and figure out how are we going to market this thing and take it out. And I think our first gig we got was a, a gig in a for a frat in a barn. Yeah, yeah I was mistaken. back to the cobwebs. Um, there was a dead cat in the corner, Felix the cat we named it, and it was a barn. And I think the brothers from the fraternity were able to use this for a party because they agreed with the farmer that they'd help clean it out. Right. And that was the backstory, right. so they didn't have to rent a hall. Traditionally, I found out a couple of years later, because my my roommate was in a fraternity, said traditionally they don't hire DJs at fraternity parties. It's whatever brother can't get a date, he becomes the DJ. So we were forging new ground. We were. Not only DJing in a barn, but then taking over the role of the frat guy. So they told us, yeah, go ahead and set up on that. I think it was like a, a wagon with hay on it. Yeah, the, by the hay bales, by the dead cat in the corner. Yeah. So we set up our system and every time someone would come up for a request, it would make everything skip because I believe it was before like anti-skip technology. So either your record or your CD would go down to like zero seconds left and they'd be staring at you with like, what am I supposed to do now? Right, right. And, and here's one of the things that drove me about the music we were playing at the time. One. WFAL is where we were doing the sound system, but and that was album-oriented rock. So yeah. when we'd go to get records, it would be like um, Leonard's, Leonard's Greatest Hits and, and Kiss and whatever else they were playing. So we had to supplement a lot of that music on our own. And the other big thing I remember about our playing our music, when you're talking about the two turntables and they had two single cassette decks in there with the EQ, is everything was from Radio Shack in this big wooden box. Like, if it wasn't for Radio Shack, there would have been no music. Even the disco ball, I believe, was from Radio Shack. Right, right. That but I mean, all. like, the mixing board was Radio Shack. The CD players we eventually got were, like, car disc Walkmans. We'd plug into this stuff and pull out the tape decks. And we finally got rid of the turntables after a couple of gigs. I think these were heavy. Yeah, they were. But it was funny talking about the music. I went back and I actually dug out of the cellar. I've got the cassettes that we used to keep of our compilations of our greatest hits and i'm looking here and i see i see baby got back sir mix a lot was number one on side a there you go that and you know and the sign by ace of base and then i believe we had had a good deal of success once we got with the sororities and fraternities that we played a large group because it was the 90s so 80s stuff was fresh as new that i remember quite honestly the come on eileen and uh what I like about you mixes were pretty big hits. And the song by the Talking Heads, And She Was, yes. which was a big sing-along for the sororities. That was always a good one. That was a big one. That was a big one. And then, of course, Chris would get us into new music, and we'd take off from there. So then he was, what was that, Dr. Albin or whatever? Yeah, It's My Life. Yeah, It's My Life. And then, um, what is it, Raven by L.A. Style, once we figured out what that was. Yeah. Well, what was funny is, you know, I if I recall correctly, we used to do the round robin. So it would be like, okay, dude picks a tune, I do one, and then Chris does one, and then we go in a circle. Yeah. So it was kind of like this shotgun approach to music selection. Right, right, because like there was like three of us, and that's always better than just one of us, because that that's amplifier right. was, was really, really, really heavy. It was really heavy. But we did mention the disco ball, yeah. and I believe we spent more time positioning the lighting just to get it right so that you get the full spectrum of... <laughs> Oh, yeah, it drove every show. Forget about the music selection. Forget about the personalities of the DJs. If the disco ball was in the right place, then it was going to be a great show. It didn't matter. Didn't matter. And and then, of course, you were manually on the lights. So when it came to Faithfully, the drum solo on your lighting rig was out of this world. Oh, yeah, I, I appreciate that because 
whatever it was, it was like a whole other instrument. Like you could play on a turntable and you could scratch and you could play rewind the cassette tapes and get the mixes queued up just right. But playing the light board was a task unto itself. Yeah. And then, you know, nowadays, you know, if, if you are a professional DJ, you've got DMX and pre-programmed lighting and you can really, you know, set the tone. Oh, for- but back in the day, it was all about manual. Oh, yeah. We, we actually built the lights from old trade shows that were, my dad went to and they were just single bulbs. And we used floodlight bulbs and switches on a, on a board that I'd gotten from an old garage band. They had a box with a bunch of light switches on it and you just plugged it into the box. Hey, I mean, it worked between Radio Shack and the the lighting we were we were consistently getting gigs almost every weekend oh, yeah. and i'll never forget the one time we went out to a record store or something on the weekend out in toledo somewhere and we bumped into another dj that i think one of our friends in the dorm was friends with and he was like what are you guys using we've got thousands of dollars invested in ours and we don't have any gigs. Oh, yeah. No, that, I, I do remember that because I forget what his name was. But he was like, I've got noise buttons on my mixing board and, and I don't have a gig. You guys are using garage sale stuff and uh, you guys are making money. Yeah. We were making a lot I mean, of money, weren't we? We were getting paid like what? I don't know, like six bucks. Or- three bucks, something <laughs> per gig, something like that. And then FVL, the WFL sound system would take a chunk out of that, too, because you know we were flying their banner. Right. So between that. That's why you know getting new music was hard because we were using their record library, as you said, which was all rock. Yeah. But everybody wanted to hear you know the latest dance tunes. Well, you know, oh, play what's on the the you know ninety two five the uh, you know hit mix channel. And so we're trying to scurry. And obviously, this was before the internet. Well, yeah, so. this happened. What saved us really? What actually saved us was a little place called Record Exchange, where you could go and buy used CDs. Yes. And go to the, the, the dollar bin or the 50 cent bin or cut, spend two or three bucks on a CD because there's no way you could buy a 15 or $20 yeah. CD for one tune. Yeah. Nowadays, you just, oh, I'm just going to stream. I'll just get a yeah, subscription I'm, I'm, to Spotify and I'll just, you know, stream it across oh, my, my system. I'm, I'm no not big paying deal for that, man. Talk. I'm just going to go right to YouTube, man. I'll just bleep out the uh, commercials and, you know, throw it on there. That's what we'd be doing today. We'd just be using uh, YouTube to, to play all of our set lists and just make sure we uh we pause between the ads. Between the ads, but yeah, tell somebody to bring in their cell phone. I've had that happen. Plug this in, but it's it was interesting because you know, throughout that, like we said, I mean, we ended up getting you know that fraternity told another fraternity, and then we had another gig on a boat somewhere out in the middle of the harbor, and we're trying to play on this boat that's that's swaying back and forth. And of course, we we were worried about our disco ball shedding the most light and oh yeah that gig i remember getting seasick while i'm out on this you know trying to play and and if i remember correctly the weather was absolutely fantastic it was like a cool rainy foggy kind of like yuckville weather out there it was not bright and sunshine and cool breezes it wasn't like the cruise ship you're thinking about this was like the good time four or five or ten or something like that that just sits in the harbor and bobs up and down yeah yeah, this is uh, the, I guess, three steps down from a luxury liner. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's a little bit bigger than a tugboat, but, you know, not much. It's just so funny. I mean, all the I'm just thinking about all the mixes that we started coming up with where we started figuring out that, okay, you can play these songs in a row and right. then maybe a ballad here to slow things yeah. down. Yeah, you got to have a slow song because they all had dates. If you didn't put a couple exactly. of slow songs in there, they'd be all upset because they couldn't dance. I don't know that anybody slow dances anymore. But I'm looking at one right now. Here's some of the ones, and this is not even in my handwriting, so this probably is in Chris's handwriting. I've got Loser, yep. Back, Strike It Up, Black Box. 
I've got Mr. Vane, Culture Beat, What a Man, Salt and Pepper, Jump Around, House of Pain. Oh, there you go. And then what was it? Jump by the Movement. Jump by the Movement. Yeah. And then, like you said, I mean, 80s were still kind of in that crossover period. So we had things like, you know, physical Olivia Newton-John and cars like Gary Newman. Well, we did a few throwbacks where we did Grease and Brown Eyed Girl and some stuff like that. And they'd want Margaritaville or Piano Man or something like that at the end of the night. But here's one that was always a hit back then. Whoop, there it is, tag team. Well, and I was just going to bring that one up because I remember playing that one when we had to do some side gigs. Do you remember what else we did on campus? It wasn't just parties. We'd do sporting events. The, uh, the runs? We, we, we'd do the sporting <laughs> events, man. we did the volleyball team. Oh, Whoop, yeah. there it is, was a big volleyball team thing. And that leads me to one of my all-time favorite stories for the sporting events was we got hooked up with the hockey team for like, what, two games or one game or something like that? A couple of them, yeah. A couple of things I remember about that. One, that big wooden box that held the system was really tough to lug up to the top of the booth in the hockey arena because they didn't give us access to the actual broadcast booth. We were just in the stands in front of the booth. And then oh, yeah. I also remember that there's nothing like playing 10 seconds of music in between whatever action was happening on the field when you're trying to cue it up on a cassette tape. You know, everybody had their pencils at the ready. Oh, oh, spin that thing back, spin it back, spin it back. Yeah, and then turn it off too because you're 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 lo- watching, you're constantly watching to see are they going to drop the puck exactly. because as soon as action starts, you're supposed to stop. So you're constantly trying to cue up a song, and then it also has to be appropriate. So whatever song you're playing should somehow coincide with what's happening. Right. So if it's a break or you, know, you want to get people. Or in between the periods, we got the YMCA and they're doing the wave. And then, of course, you never know what you're going to have queued up because you don't know when there's going to be a stop in the action. So you take your best guess and we were going to queue up songs for people to sing along with. What was it? And it turned out to be that the only song that was in the cassette deck when the three person fight broke out on the ice was you lost that love and feeling. And so we just let it rip. And that was hilarious because everybody was falling over laughing. That was my favorite one, I that think. Was, that was my all-time <laughs> that was favorite. Really good. It fit. It did. It was perfect. And then the volleyball games was similar because we had to, once again, get people pumped up. But then the sport is different. You know, hockey, there's a lot of action happening and you're expecting fights and you're waiting for those things to occur. Or volleyball, totally different sports, a little more leisurely. So you have to adjust the music. So then you're, you've got to think about that. Well, and then they had those contests during the volleyball game in between the games or in between the sets. And you're like, wow, okay, so we got to play something upbeat now. Get all the people yeah. down out to try and, you know, hit a volleyball across into the big hoop or whatever the deal was. And that was interesting. Once again, though, that was another thing where we were up in the rafters of the arena. Was it Anderson Arena? Mm-hmm. And um, it took a lot of work to get all that equipment up there. Yeah. Just by the time you set up, you know, mobile DJ is not for the week. Yeah, and it's the same. It's even with the station, you reminded me they would have remotes. So tonight we're out at this Cadillac dealership. Yep. Come on out. So we'd have to go out there and help set up some of those remote jobs. Right. Or if there was, we're doing a fundraiser at a bowling alley, right. we'd show up and to haul that stuff in. And then bowling alley, that, that's even another thing. We'd sit there playing in a bowling alley because we've got some special event going on. So then you're trying to figure out, okay, what works in a bowling alley? Well, I remember that one and the one where it was like, what works in a cafeteria again, where we were like, um, we're just playing during the lunch, trying to scare up some gigs. So we just brought the sound system. They said we could play it during lunchtime. And um, we're just here playing during your lunch. Yeah. Hope you don't want to talk. Get up and dance. Good news for us, though. It was before earbuds and cell phones. So there wasn't a whole lot going on. Right. Yeah. It was fun to play the Pina Colada song. And Do you remember the one where we were baking in the sunshine out of the condo complex when they were opening up the new yeah. condos? 
doing the live remotes. Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you do there? Yeah, you're, you're playing to nobody in the middle of a parking lot. So you're, you're, we had a good time because we were playing the stuff. We were running through our set list and playing whatever music we wanted. It was 90s, dance, because we were the sound system. We could play whatever we wanted. We didn't have to stay at the format. But you've got the banner. And you're from a radio station, so you've got full authority to do whatever you exactly, want. Exactly, exactly. Album-oriented rock, sort of, kind of, dance, yeah, raving kind of stuff. It's funny, though. I mean, if you think about it, all those things, you go out, it really set up this sense of, okay, you had to figure out who the audience was. You had to figure out the correct setup. You had to figure out all the nuances that you're going to be dealing with. And, and then all that kind of transferred over into everything else you had to do, whether it was your at your I've got your own radio show on WFAL and interacting with people and coming up with something. So a lot of the same things seem to translate later. They did totally. And that was one of those things where we were you spent a lot of time. We were always looking for the next gig because they didn't just show up at the door. It wasn't like people were beating down the door because college people don't have money. Right. Hey man, let's hire a DJ or go buy some stuff. Well I don't have any money. But we did get in good with one organization was the World World Student Organization. I think it was WSA and we got in with that group and obviously it's music from all over the world. So we were always would have to prepare and try to figure out what all those songs were. And oh, yeah. <laughs> but once you get in, you know, hopefully you can get the next well, one. And those people had the energy, man. Those were, those are a group that was a great group to go work with because they wanted to dance. They wanted to dance all night. And we'd be like, um, yeah, um, it's time to like go. And we've got, like, Oh no, one more, just one more. Okay. We're going to get kicked out. Yeah, We're going to get, the lights are going to get shut off on us. And you know, we still got to haul all this stuff back to the station. Since I distinctly remember going to a couple of gigs right after I got off my work shift in the cafeteria with a CD bag slung over my back, riding my bike across campus to meet you guys. Because yeah, you had to carry exactly, all the music with yeah. you. We did, I, you don't have a car when you're in college. Exactly. Chris was the only one with the trucks. So we could move the system. That's true. It's like, things you take for <laughs> yeah. granted when you're an adult. You're like, yeah, I just put it in my car and go, or I hook up a trailer, or I get a van or something like that because this is a business. Like, no, no, man, I'm a college kid. Um, I'm going to be riding my bike, and hopefully it won't rain too hard on the way to the show because I don't want my CDs getting all wet. But, I mean, we talked about that, though. You think about it. Even back then, if you wanted to, someone could you know, hook up a boom box and play some songs. But why are they hiring you? Well, like you said, get an audience going yeah. and we're going to understand how to move one song into a next and things to say. And so, I mean, there's, that's, they're like, all right, well, we'll hire you then. <laughs> and I think that's what started happening is it was like, oh, it's just easy to hire these Yeah, guys. we'll just pay these guys a couple of bucks and then they'll show up and do it and it'll sound really good. And then we don't have to worry about picking all kinds of different music because we only know that we only got, you know, two kinds of brothers in this house. The guys that like country and the guys that like Westerns. And um, we can't have that because the girls won't dance to that. And then the one guy that was supposed to be it, he's like, well, at least now I can attend the party. Yeah. So. Well, and he's like, oh, I got a date. Uh, that's it. I'm done DJing. I got that going for me. Exactly. Now. Exactly. So there was a wide range of music depending on the events, but um, we, we kept it pretty straightforward because we could only play music we had. We couldn't just get it out of nowhere. Like you said, we couldn't use the internet. We couldn't get Spotify up or we couldn't get YouTube. Didn't exist. Right. And uh, what was it? Napster wasn't even around yet. No. I mean, this was what? 93 95 somewhere around there and you yeah. had you know hip-hop was really starting to take control yeah. and obviously you know rock you know you had nirvana came out so you had smells like teen spirit that was hitting and there was a lot of music change at that time and it was it was fun because you could really come up with some cool mixes and oh yeah people really wanted to hear the songs i remember stone temple pilots came out right around then too and that was crazy the grunge scene was like um we can't really use this <laughs> Nobody dances to grunge. <laughs> we'll play that 
during our warm-up. During our warm-up, or we'll throw in some Pearl Jam or something later, like after when right. we're cleaning up or something. I don't know, but we can't, we can't, that's oh, not going to kill on. a dance floor. It's not dance floor music. It's like go party music. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we did some of those other things we said where you're, you're out representing the radio station. That's fine. Oh, yeah. It's just if you're hired. I remember enjoying those because I was like, wow, we don't have to sweat bringing our CDs, man. We just go to the radio station and take a bunch of their stuff and take it out there to be the radio station. That's easy. Exactly. Like, what's in rotation right now? Oh, let's take that. The best part about it, though, is we came up with an identity. You know, we made the logo. And oh, yeah. Backstage passes. Business and, cards. You know, we really, really had fun with it. And I think people appreciated that. And I think that continued on later as continue to move forward. Oh, but yeah. When, what's, that was a good time period. What's man. wild is somebody could do all of that with a laptop. <laughs> Nowadays. Right. Like, um, laptop and a speaker. There you I'm go. I'm the powered well speaker done. from Costco and my laptop. And um, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's go. That's, uh, you know, I think about even DJs prior to that. They said, well, you know, we have to haul those albums and now you guys have CDs. Yeah. And you're like, well, yeah. And I moved to computers and now it's streaming. And so it, it'll continue to evolve. But I really think it's it's always just about having passion for it, enjoying the music, trying to figure out how to keep that audience going. And, and that's really what a lot of it came down to. Right, right. Well, I think, you know, no matter what your, whatever your technology is, it's going to be about choosing the tunes to get to the people. And that's what it matters. It doesn't matter what you like. It's a matter of what they like. And that if you keep that in perspective, it'd be all good. It's all about the music because, yeah, the equipment changes, the formats change, but you got to be able to pick the right tune to get them going. It's, it reminded me, I, I think it was the first time I like hooked up the system. And I think it was prior to our first gig we booked at that fraternity is I think I hooked it up in the dorm in some common areas yeah. and I'm playing down there. And I think I put Eye of the Tiger on by Survivor. I was like, man, this song is awesome. And people are just staring at me like, what am I supposed to do to this? Well, th- that and like, that's too loud. Y'all are too loud. Cause it was like, I don't even know how many watts that amp was, but with those speakers that were louder than anything anybody else had at that point. Exactly. Yeah. And then you're right. You're, you're thinking about that. You're thinking about once again, where are you? Who's there? <laughs> What are you supposed to be doing? <laughs> get all those common questions. Yeah, like, um, when this is over, how are we going to tear all this stuff down and get it back to where we need to be? Because <laughs> you got to realize you're not living in a house. You're living in a dorm room. You got like an eight by 10 cubicle you're splitting with somebody else. You couldn't just right. pile a bunch of speakers into your dorm room. <laughs> There'd be no yeah. room to move. That would always lead into the other things because eventually we'd graduate from college and go on from there. And those skills we built down at WFAL would serve us well in the future, right? Yeah. Well, that that sounds like a future episode. There you go. I was, I was doing the lead in for you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I think it was cool to kind of talk about the, the humble beginnings because mm-hmm. I, I think that everything started with that interesting meeting. Oh, yeah. Two dudes in the bottom of a dorm picking up sound equipment. One thirty in the morning. And you're like, wait a minute, you do this, you do this. And then it just ended up into something else. And and then finding out really what works and what doesn't work. Because yeah. I still remember vividly standing in that barn and we were doing, like we said, we did the round robin. It was like, you pick a tune, you pick a tune, you pick a tune. And with that mentality, you've got people dancing out there. I think we were selecting like, what do we like? So I may play like some rock tune. Oh, yeah. It was a total train wreck mix because we were picking totally different stuff. I mean, I don't know. They didn't care. There would have been one thing that helped all that work. And that would have been that they were possibly having some beverages at the time, right. those that were of age. And that made it all kind of glommed together. They were good. Now that reminded me, I do vividly remember playing Baby Got Back in that barn and watching, because there were pigs in there. Yeah, they don't and run. Watching these pigs running around because the bass sound and 
you know, I'm, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, am I, am I damaging these pigs, you know, ears, you know, whatever. I'm thinking, you know, man, I'm harming them. And by the end of the night, I look over there and they're all sleeping on top of each other. Like it somehow put them to yeah, sleep. They, they partied out. I mean, they were, yeah, they ran around just, and, and that's pretty much where everybody else was by the time we were done. Everybody was like, yeah, dude, that was awesome. But now I'm toast. I remember, I, I don't know if it was you or Chris that took a picture of me in front of all these pigs, like sleeping on top of each other. So I have it somewhere of that image in that barn and that first gig. Right. And that was just amazing. Talk about taking future learnings forward. That was that you can definitely have an impact on the audience and even animals. Exactly. You can tame wild beasts with the sound system. It's amazing with the power that the DJ has. Well, dude, it was awesome having you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll dig up some, some other stories out of the crypts as we go forward yeah. and focus on DJing. So thanks for joining, yeah. man. Sounds good, man. All right. See you later. Take care. All right, welcome back from the interview. That was fascinating, discovering how this whole thing started. Like you said, Ray, went into one meeting. Next thing you know, running the sound system, <laughs> going out to all these crazy gigs. The first gig in this barn that we had to do out in this like secluded cornfield <laughs> and you know, playing to pigs. And right. it was just, it was amazing. And that's really... I think the epitome of this whole journey is that you start out you because of the love of the music, it will take you anywhere from a, you know, this pig's barn. We went out to a cruise ship. I think we, at one point we were at, what's the the big arena that's in Toledo. Are you talking about like at at UT Savage Hall or? Yeah, we played there. We're walking out and we had these, uh, maybe this would be in one of the other versions uh, but we made these like fake badges around our neck. That was like backstage pass, you know, sound system, WFAL. And these two guys from that hall in Toledo stopped us and said, Hey, are you guys part of Robert Plant's crew? And we're like, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Robert Plant's playing here tomorrow night. And we both looked at each other like, what? <laughs> you know, we're these college kids and right. you're like, well, you're Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin? <laughs> you know, so it was, it was just funny. Just the things that you do that lead you down these ways and uh, that time period, the music. I mean, right now we've got a, it's title or artist, Buddy Holly. Yep. Right around this time period, yep. right? Buddy Holly from Weezer pitted against Buddy Holly, the artist. Where did you go? Uh, this one was pretty easy for me. I mean, nothing against Weezer, but I very much appreciate Buddy Holly. And of course, I, you know, I got the book on American Pie, so I'm Buddy Holly pretty easily. What about you? Yeah. Well, this may surprise you here, Ray, but I went for Buddy Holly, Weezer this round. Now, it sounds blasphemous because I actually like all of buddy holly's tunes i mean peggy sue well, that'll be the day <laughs> exactly <laughs> that'll be the day and then of course it was a true love ways which is a great tune yeah and his significance and culture but there's just something about that video with happy days yeah yeah yep. and al and the production of it so i was actually including the video as well i know okay. the song sure. but the video itself i thought was a great flashback to happy days and kind of bridging the gap between the folks that watched happy days and brought in it. So there was something about that video. Yeah. I, I think if the video wasn't there, 
for me, I would have definitely gone down the classic. And I think a lot of times the artist is going to win in this category because of the yeah. fact that they have so many other songs in the yeah. one song. But for some reason here, I don't know what it was. I just, I, I went down the Weezer way. You know, I think you're right. And a lot of, although, you know, I mean, with Cream, I really had a big dilemma. So I think you're right that it's easy for the artist to win out because that you've got the whole catalog of songs and all it takes is, you know, one or two that you really love from that catalog. And then you're, you're like, well, I'm going to pick the artist instead of this one song, unless that one song is really big. That's really interesting. You know, I hadn't thought about the video. I, I mean, I'd still go with the singer, Buddy Holly, but but I hadn't thought about the video and the use of Happy Days. That's got to be really the wheels kind of spinning a bit. When you talk about American Pie, which, of course, from Don McLean, and you talk about him, his referencing Buddy Holly, and the whole story in American Pie is built around buddy holly dying in the plane crash and that being the day the music died and then how mclean is lamenting where music went throughout the next decade through the end of the 60s one of the things and i talked about this i was interviewed a couple years ago for a program studio 360 where american pie was i think we talked about this on a previous podcast mm-hmm. yeah where american pie was entered into the the national song register and as part of talking about the american pie then i really I, and they included this in the piece was that in the early 70s there was this nostalgia for the late 50s that really was significant in American culture. You saw it with Don McLean's song, American Pie. You also saw it with American Graffiti, the film. You saw it with, you know that I've done a lot of research on the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Mm -hmm. book that sort of mythologizes the Brooklyn Dodgers, The Boys of Summer, that came out in in the early 70s. And of course, Happy Days started in the early 70s. And those are just a few. We we can come up with other ones as well. But there was sort of this time period in the early 70s where, you know, I think a lot of those people who grew up in the late 50s are now like in their early 30s or maybe late 20s and they're reminiscing back to you know what was it like and of course this is the baby boomer generation or a few folks who are just a little bit older than that and pop culture was really playing to them and so it's really interesting how that Weezer video by calling it Buddy Holly by playing off of Happy Days they're really invested in this whole mythology of the late 1950s and the start of rock and roll. Yeah I mean it got me thinking and of course you listen to that song and then just the thought of Weezer itself because Weezer to me was always one of those bands that in my opinion kind of came out of nowhere and then all of a sudden their sound and they did a lot of evolving with their sound Mm -hmm. so to me once I went down the route of, okay, Weezer is my choice. I just started thinking, okay, what is Weezer's significance, you know, when it comes to music? And then you start thinking about, okay, well, they were part of the alternative scene and it was, they kind of brought that in essence, what Buddy Holly did in the fifties to alternative rock because he was, what is it? Rivers Cuomo. He's, he's kind of got the, you know, the, the Buddy Holly glasses, which he always wears. And he's not the prototypical, he's not the Kurt Cobain or the, the Chris right. Cornell or even Pearl Jam. You know, he's not Eddie Vedder. So you're like, who yeah. this guy? So it was interesting that it kind of signified that time period. And, you know, they're even around, what, a couple of years ago, they did that remake of Africa. I know we talked about yeah. that too. And you're like, eh, you know, I, I still prefer the original, but they brought light back to the 80s now and i bet you toto's reaping the benefits (laughs) yeah yeah i mean their their remake of africa is it sort of reinvested the popularity of that song and they did it in a way i mean the instrumentation is a little bit different but otherwise it sounds a lot like the original 
and they did a remake of um, wasn't a hit in the same way Africa was, but they did a remake of Take on Me from Aha as well. Oh, and they do a video which is in the style of Aha's video, but it tells a different story and kind of fascinating because in my mind that's my favorite. That Aha video is my favorite video of all time. I was going to ask and, you, so that is. The aha video, Take On Me, is your favorite video of all time. Yeah, I gave this some thought, I don't know, this winter sometime. I was working on, I was doing daily 80s flashbacks, other stuff. And I, I started, I was playing that, so I was watching that video. And I and I thought, God, this might be my favorite. And I really actually, like for two or three days, I sat and I, as I was working and stuff, I was doing stuff, I, I was just kept thinking about that. And I finally was like, just the feel of that video and the raw emotion at the end when he's coming back, he's coming out of the comic book and she's like, you know, crying for him. And and I just, what they did with the technology to make that happen in 1984, 85, right, was ahead of its time for video making at the time. And so I just, you know, I know that there are great videos from that time period. Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel comes to mind and stuff. But just to me, the Take On Me video has the complete mix. It, it's a video that's a concept that pushes technology, that tells a story, and that has a story that grabs me emotionally and has a great song to go with. So I know that that is my favorite video of all. And Do you have a favorite video? I can't think of one that beats it. I mean, I have probably haven't given it as much thought as you did. So maybe that's my job is to think about that. But right now, yeah, there you I can't go. think of anything that beats that song. Because the other thing that I think about is that song you saying that was 84 uh 85 85 okay that's okay 85 think about mtv i mean they're around what four years at that point that yep. song was played so much in mtv i mean it, it had been a couple years it was being played that it felt like it almost made mtv a little more relevant <laughs> at that time yep. because it actually had this really cool video and everybody was trying to beat it and then it, it gets parodied a lot and i think the song still holds up i mean was it uh christina aguilera and pitbull that redid that song that sampled it oh, okay yeah six seven years ago so i mean right. it's still and then weezer comes out and does a complete remake of it so i mean i yeah. feel like it still has significance and it has power behind it. So yeah, you could be onto something. I actually, I'll have to give that some more thought, but right now I'm with you. Yeah, give it some thought and see if anything beats it out. I mean, that, you know, there are contenders out there. I'm not going to suggest I mean, that some reason not gonna the, act like um, there's not other things that are out there, but, um, that but land that's my fusion video. <laughs> From the Jeff, oh, land of confusion. Yeah. For some reason, it, yeah. it just always made me laugh with the puppets. I don't know that's, why. That's a great video. And maybe we need to do a podcast on, I, you know. I think we're on to something here. Because even if we go down Genesis way, for some reason, I always... When I put on the I Can't Dance video, I don't know what it yeah. is. I, I can't turn it off. I, <laughs> I have to watch the whole thing. I, I don't know what it is with that video. But there's another one that's funny. There you go. Hmm. There right. we go. I think we've got a podcast for we the got, future. We got future vision. Look at that. Planning ahead. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. And we want to remind you, one of our listeners did reach out recently and said, hey, can you remind people that they should rate the podcast? And we do have a couple ratings out there on Apple Podcasts, also on Spotify, and then, of course, right on our site. Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate your support. And I'm Mark. I'm Ray. And we will see you next time.